Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Cracked Podcast, the podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I'm also known as Schmitty the Clam. I'm also known as Schmitty the Champ, and I am also, also excited to play for you right now my favorite joke about the human body. Actually, I'm studying cartography now, the mapping of uncharted territories. Sure. Yeah. Uh, hasn't everything already sort of been discovered, though? I like Magellan and... Uh... Cortez, NASA, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those people. Th those guys did a pretty good job. Right. But they're still, you know. Never hurts to double check. Now, I love that joke. Also, it is not explicitly about the human body. I just think of it when we get into a show like today's show. Because we are talking about bizarre new discoveries about the human body. One more time, that is bizarre new discoveries about the human body. Because uh, that joke was about cartography, right? Map making and so on. It's from the very first episode of Arrested Development. Uh, you heard baby brother Buster Bluth struggling to impress his brother Michael and their overprotective mom Lucille covering for him, but the general gist of the humor there is that we mapped the Earth. We found all the stuff, and there's a couple of surprises there, because for one thing, cartography is something you can, like, major in and make your job, because there are new ways to map the Earth. There are new ways to study it, everything from the latest aerial photographs we have to remote sensing data. That's, like, actually a thing people can study, even though, yes, haha, we found all the continents and so on. We will have links about that. Also, for another thing, climate change and rising sea levels and stuff, that impacts the maps too in a very flooded dystopian kind of way. And so cartography is like an actual thing if you just look closer and look in more detail and find new ways to study it and explore it. The Earth still has things that we can find in it. And it turns out the human body is similar to that. Uh, you know, we don't know all the disease solutions and everything, but we think we know the human body pretty well. Turns out, wrong. One of the ways being alive is more interesting than people think it is, is there are all kinds of new discoveries about our bodies, our human bodies, all of the time. By the way, this is a good opportunity to say something worth saying about every episode, which is, hey, share this with a friend, you know, turn somebody onto our show. I think that would be a nice thing. But this episode is a particularly good opportunity because it is about the human body. It's very universal. Uh, I think all of your friends, except house pets, have a human body and uh, they, they will probably get as much of a kick out of this as you will. And I got an enormous kick out of this because we have two fantastic guests that I am so glad I got to sit down with. One of them is Caitlin Durante. She is a fantastic comedian, writer, and podcaster. Not only is she the co-host of The Bechdel Cast, one of the best movie podcasts around, she is also the host of her own podcast, Sludge, an American Healthcare Story. That's the name of it. We will dig into a little bit of its story. It tracks her adventures, and adventures is an upbeat way to put it, in terms of getting proper health care for a gallbladder situation that she had where uh, she was diagnosed with her gallbladder containing sludge by uh, actual medical people. That was what they called it. And so she has, is doing some of the best uh, podcasting around about the human body. 
My other guest today is another fantastic stand-up and fantastic writer. His name is Andy Wood, and with his podcasting, you have probably heard him as the co-host of the show Probably Science, which is a fantastic podcast about all of the latest science news. He is just constantly consuming what is going on with the latest cutting-edge science and doing it with a skeptical eye and a way that's very relatable. Uh, He's just fantastic. I am so glad Caitlin and Andy could make the time, and I am so glad you get to hear the three of us dig into the latest discoveries about the human body that are somehow, despite Magellan and NASA and everything, happening right now. So please sit back or sit with excellent posture to prevent your skull from changing shapes. That's a thing. Either way, here's this episode of the Cracked Podcast with Caitlin Durante and Andy Wood. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. Caitlin, Andy, I'm so excited to be talking about the human body with you. Also, as uh, as we were putting this together, I was thinking back on myself as a student and remembering that I think when like human anatomy came along, I was not that excited because I mm. thought, ah, we know everything there. Who cares? I don't know how you guys felt as students or, or when you were coming up in school. Yeah, it's not exactly the, the depths of the ocean or the far reaches <laughs> of the universe. It's all, it's all right here. <laughs> Yeah, sci-fi especially. It makes you feel like all the mysteries are up. Like, we really got to go out and around. Yeah, down. Yeah, down downwards into the the core of the earth. But yeah. (laughs) Plus, there's that magic school bus episode where they go into the human body and then... There's inner space. learned, yeah. Where Dennis Quaid goes inside Martin Short or vice versa. I forgot what happens. Oh, I haven't seen that one. But then there's a Rick and Morty episode where they go... So yeah, we've explored the human body. We know. (laughs) It's been traveled. Right. Yeah. And the only cool way to do it involves shrink rays and stuff. Yeah. That's the only. (laughs) That's still true. That's still true. I'm so excited in this because it turns out it's just a range of massive surprises about what's in the human body. (laughs) And we're finding them all the time. Maybe one uh, just like easy one to get straight into it with is the human foot. And this from a cracked article, Four Crazy Ways the Human Body's Changing in Our Own Lifetimes by Mark Hill. It turns out that statistically they've been able to measure human feet, at least in like the US, UK, Europe. And we have the sense that the foot has just been getting bigger over time. The UK College of Podiatry says that shoe sizes are up to in the last 40 years for men and women. That's like just a thing going on. Two sizes? Two sizes, yeah. Wow. It's significant. It's not like just a little bit of a. Of, of chubbing up of the foot. That's like a real, you gotta, <laughs> that's buying new shoes. Yeah. That is chubbing, chubbing up. is an actual, <laughs> is the most British way to say it. Uh, so that fits. I mean, based on my personal experience, my feet grew uh, from childhood to adulthood. No, but I know that. But, um, <laughs> what? But my, okay, so I'm 5'4". I'm not that tall. I'm a pretty, you know, average height, but my feet are size nine in women's, which is enormous cool. for my height. Thank you so much. It's yeah. a, it's it's a huge. It's a I'm very proud of it. But <laughs> um, but then my hands are freakishly small, so I don't know what's happening with that. But yeah, I have like proportionately large feet to my like height. Yeah, and we don't want to be too normative about body parts in general. But apparently, U.S. women have gone from an average size of six point five for their shoes in the 1960s to an eight and a half or nine now. So right. I guess based on that, you're you're right in that and range. Actually, yeah, yeah, sorry yeah. to be. I don't I don't want to make any you know normative or body shaming comments. Uh, <laughs> if I'm if I'm calling myself freakish, hopefully that's okay. <laughs> By the way, why can't we agree on some more standardized foot measurements? Whether it's I mean I get that maybe the British 
an American. If we can't yeah. get on Imperial here, how can we hope to be on the same shoe system? But like male and female <laughs> shoe sizes, why, couldn't they just be on the smaller end of the same scale? I mean, like, why can't men's and women's feet just all be on one continuum yeah. of, of foot sizes? Yeah. Like if women do sometimes want to have smaller feet or think they have smaller feet, that solves that also because then you're just going to be even lower on this scale that includes men's feet. You know, if everything's in men's sizes, then what size are you women's again? Nine, which is seven so like in men's. Seven. Yeah. Right. And honestly, I like men's shoes so much more than I like women's shoes. Like, I don't like to wear heels. Most of my shoes are like fairly androgynous or I buy them like in the men's section. So, yeah, what what's the disparity all doesn't, about? It doesn't seem to yeah. be a necessary difference. Yeah. Right. We don't need a whole separate systems for different gendered human feet. Uh, they're just feet. Uh, right. <laughs> it really, really doesn't make sense. Yeah. And like you said, they're different across countries, right? Because I'll, I'll look in a tag sometimes or the tab of a shoe and it's like, well, UK, US, EU. And then in Asia, it's this size. Right. I'm like, okay. All right. My size in uh, UK is seven and a half. In France, it's 41 and a half. In Japan, <laughs> hmm. it's 260. Yeah. And That's not real, is it? Uh, yeah, I'm reading that the, the numbers are here. And then in China is 255. 255. That's way more significant figures than you should need for <laughs> determining the size of a foot. That's yeah, right. <laughs> I may, maybe two, but three. You don't need three. There's no way. Yeah. What yeah. if their shoe system is way better? Like there's a lot more refined sizes and choices and I would believe it. Maybe that's a secret to <laughs> happiness that we've, it's eluded Americans. I wonder far. if like 41 is the number of like centimeters or something. That's probably not right. I was thinking that, but that would be too. That's too much. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Why can't it just be like measurement in like, I don't know, inches, centimeters, something. Length and width. There you go. And either way, this change in, in shoe size, it, it seems to be coming from a couple things, but also a range of the things we're talking about today are sort of modern life being a, a change or something we discover in the body. They think that feet are getting bigger because we are heavier and we are taller and we're eating more in general. And so the foot is just expanding to keep up with our modern bodies because we're just like bigger than people 100 years ago. Uh, mainly, we have more nutrition. It's great. Mm -hmm. I love nutrition. It's so delicious. <laughs> <laughs> now, we do want both sides of every issue. So for the anti-nutrition, Andy, you know, if you can just quickly. It's overrated. It's, yeah, uh, good. it's had great. it too good for too long. It's time for the end of the reign of tyranny of, of nutrition. <laughs> okay, we've done this properly. Yeah. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pro Sour Patch Kids and that's all. <laughs> I guess you could find some nourishment. But if you removed some of the calories that your body can use from Sour Patch Kids, I'd be pro that. I bet there's vitamin C in Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> You're right. They probably prevent scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Big nutrition even got there. Oh, yeah. man. There's a lot of surprises in the body here, but this one, this one's very advanced. And Caitlin, you picked this one out because it's uh, it's something that has been found in women who have had children where they will incorporate some of the children's cells. Oh, yes. I'd love to talk about this. So basically, women, people with uteruses who become pregnant and then bear children end up with the cells of their offspring remaining in their body, making them sort of these like kind of micro chimera type creatures. Women are creatures yeah. is what I'm saying. <laughs> micro chimera. Interesting. Um, I believe a chimera is a mythological beast. I think that's a thing. Yes. <laughs> it's a combination of animals, right? Yeah. 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 Mothers uh, end up with... Uh, some of the cells of their babies remaining in their bodies. This is kind of really only, at, at least at this point, testable whenever a mother gives birth to a uh, male baby because it's 
much more easy to detect like a Y chromosome in an XX body. So this doesn't even account for female babies born to the mothers. But in a 2014 study, it found that 70% of the 272 women who were studied had male cells living in their bodies years after they gave birth to male babies. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And then even with those sex chromosomes still, despite being in uh, the mom, it's it's the wildest thing. Giving yeah. birth to a boy makes you part boy. <laughs> True, but consider this also. That male baby started out as a female body, and that's why men have nipples. So that's true. we all start out, and then that's something I learned from Jurassic Park, that we all, <laughs> all embryos start out female. So, you know, what even is sex? What is gender? It's a construct. It's fluid. Well, it is like, with a lot of this stuff, I'm thinking of, I think it's Arthur C. Clarke who said that any advanced tech is indistinguishable from magic on some level because it's so amazing. Like, a lot of this body science feels that way too. Just the overall, oh, we all used to be just XX chromosomes and then we develop later and everything and, and we're all microchimeras. Just amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's all just magic. Yeah. It seems like this microchimera thing's always been happening, uh, but we've got other changes here that are more recent. One of them is just that blue eyes are getting rarer in the United States. There's a phenomenon where it's mainly due to blue eyes being a recessive trait and also mainly uh, having to do with a specific mutation about 10,000 years ago, mostly impacting European people. But in the U.S., it used to be about 50 percent of people in 1900 had blue eyes, according to the stats. 50 percent? Yeah, Whoa. which is which sounds like another world. Right. I would start to notice and be kind of surprised after a while if that was the country. Do you have blue eyes, Alex? I do not. I have like hazel eyes. Okay, what about uh, you, Andy? Yeah, I do. So that's all I see in the you world. Everyone rare. who doesn't is invisible to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so only sixteen point six percent of Americans have them today. Which yeah, that that You're didn't shock me. Minority. It didn't shock me anywhere near as much as the fifty percent in nineteen hundred did. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. It, it's so it's such a thing in in popular culture and song and and things that I wonder what if it was the majority, why would it even be notable in song? Yeah. Maybe it wasn't back then. Maybe it was only once it became rare that people even pointed out eye color as a as a motif in in music and. I don't hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is weird that they were so focused on it when that's most people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I'm in the uh, worldwide brown-eyed majority, so... Um, the Van yeah. Morrison idolized. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you actually wrote that song about me. So. Yeah. Because apparently the way genetics work, if it's a recessive trait, uh, for the most part, both parents need to have it to pass it on. And so, yeah, it's just a thing where there are fewer and fewer blue-eyed people and brown-eyed people are becoming the most common eye color. Is a thing going on. There's also, there's one other new, new thing here, which is that humans just need more energy than ever before. Oh, uh, tell which, me about it. <laughs> which brings us to our sponsor. No, it's, it's not a thing. <laughs> um, it's sort of related to the foot size thing. They, they have been able to track, study, measure just overall the size of people <laughs> over time. And according to a Smithsonian article, we will link uh, from 1975 to 2014. So about a 40 year period. Adults worldwide grew 1.3% taller and 14% heavier. So a little bit taller and and a little bit more heavier. And so the daily caloric intake went up a little over 6%. So just everyone started needing 6% more food than they did before. 
And then on a global scale, that matters a lot. That's that's just an enormous change for everything. Also, we make more food than people actually need to eat and just lose a lot of it from spillage. So the oh, thing to do is waste. improve food distribution. Yeah, uh, We're all fine, but just everyone's bigger and needs more energy Wait, all the me, time. Let me try to make sense of this. So we, we our bodies started getting larger because we had better access to nutrition, but that also Mainly. meant then that we needed even more nutrition to maintain those bigger bodies. Is that yeah. what the thing is? It's a vicious oh, yeah. cycle. Yeah, vicious cycle. I guess we're like those goldfish in the koi pond or whatever. Like we just get bigger mm. as we're <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> allowed to have more space. <laughs> we'll fit whatever size terrarium you put us in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because we went from an average intake of 2,465 calories a day to 2,615, so about oh, wow. 150 more calories. That's the average. I would have thought that's on the higher side. Yeah, people love uh, just consuming things. Again, and the population only nutrition-free stuff for me. <laughs> only Sour Patch get Kids. those new vitamins out of here. <laughs> and now we flip. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I love, uh, you know, magnesium, <laughs> potassium. Give me some of that vitamin B12. Yummy. It's important for our uh, brains that I think should remain stupid. <laughs> again, get rid of those vitamins, but smarten up that brain. Wait, what's my stance again? I'm pro-brain. Okay. Yeah. I, I yeah. think we covered all okay. of them, probably. Yeah. I love the idea of somebody being in the pocket of extremely specific minerals. Uh, is like a really good lobbying group. Yeah, like yeah. the niacin lobby has been... <laughs> Overfunding this podcast. <laughs> to be specific about the overall food production thing, they estimate that in 2050, the world population will be 9.8 billion people, but we're already producing enough food for more people than that, but a quarter of it gets wasted. And about 36% of the calories we create go toward livestock. Ah. So not, not, mm. not that everyone has to be completely vegetarian, but we could eat a little less meat and create a lot more food for people. There's all kinds of ways we can feed all these growing numbers of growing people. It'll be fine. I think a big way we could cut back on waste is like when you're staying at a hotel and you're walking down to your room and you see all the plates left outside from the uh, room service people ordered and didn't finish. We should just oh. agree that's okay to just Does stop and pick oh, yeah. up pick up those floor fries <laughs> uh -huh. on the way to your room. It's like all the calories that are just being thrown away in hotel trash. That pretty much solves it right there. If we can get rid of the stigma of eating <laughs> someone extreme. else's leftover room service. <laughs> I used to teach uh, like paint night events, like those like painting classes where you go and get drunk and like paint a oh, thing. Fun. And people would order food and then like leave it all behind. And did I eat all of their leftovers as I was cleaning up? Yes, mm -hmm. 100% I did. Yeah, there well, you go. So, <laughs> If no one's looking and it's like a kind of dish that didn't involve sticking your paws in it, you sure, know, like, yeah. there's a lot of things I yeah, would eat. Yeah, people would like it like pizza and then like leave yeah. like three slices yeah. of pizza behind. So I would just eat those. <laughs> oh, that that's like almost more than a meal. That's, you got to get that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Plus, I wasn't being paid well enough to justify like buying my own pizza. So. <laughs> what about a hamburger that's had bites taken out? But if you cut it down the middle, it looks like your half was I just a half yeah, a burger. Yeah, I would cut off like the, the slobbered over parts okay. and then just eat the rest. And those slobbered parts are good for somebody, a dog. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. We'll figure it out. So much we could be doing. <laughs> we could all do better. <laughs> and then we've got other other surprises about the bodies we all have. One of them, I think Caitlin you picked this out because it turns out that the human face is full. Uh, it's just full of a lot of things. And one of those things out there, listeners, is tiny spiders. 
millions of them. Wait, let me make sure I got that right. Uh, It's some amount of spiders. (laughs) (laughs) But in 2014, scientists, they, you know, took one of those high-powered electron microscopes, pointed it straight at our faces, and it turns out we've got these tiny arachnids known as Demodex brevis. Yeah, that's how I read it. Yeah, Great. And they live... Just right there in your pores, and it turns out that 100% of the people that were examined turns out to have massive colonies of these microscopic spiders living just right up in our faces. All of us and everyone listening, we all have this. We, What's yes, going on? Everyone has it. They're in there. Also, they don't live for that long, but then when they die, they poop uh, into your face. Uh, they also are laying <laughs> eggs in there, and okay, then those cool, eggs cool. hatch and become other spiders that will eventually lay more eggs, poop, and die. So <laughs> you just have all manner of uh, spiders, spider eggs, and spider poop living in your face. For people to look at the food notes, the picture, and there's in a cracked article, Five Insane Things Science Just Found Out About the Human Body by Natso Batarku and E.M. Karras. Uh, the picture is crazy. It's like a really strange Horrifying. legged thingy coming out of a pore at extremely strong magnification. Oh, and millions. It does say millions here. So millions. I was right. There are millions of uh, tiny spiders in all of our faces. <laughs> so this is a, this is way creepier than that debunked urban myth about the number of spiders that you just swallow Eat. in your sleep oh, every yeah. year, which is right. not... Oh, yeah. That, that, and <laughs> whatever that number was, it was probably single digits and it not It was true. like eight or I something. Eight. Yeah. yeah. Actual millions. But here you've got millions of just uh, microscopic spiders. So Are they creepier for ha- for being arachnids, for having the eight legs? If they were six-legged things, would you not be as uh, grossed out by this? Or are you grossed out by this? I am fairly grossed out by it, but I'm just going to take comfort in knowing that I can't see them and just hope that I forget about them within the next few days and never think about it again. But yeah, I mean, the thought <laughs> of spiders in our faces doesn't make me feel good. No. I mean, invisible yeah. spiders is kind of worse than visible spiders. <laughs> right, at least you can like bat away a, a visible <laughs> spider, but yeah. Like when you think you kill a spider in your house and then you can't find the body, that's way scarier than finding the body. Uh-huh. So invisibility yeah. in spiders, no good. Because a visible spider, that's a new situation, right? Like before I wasn't around the spider and then I see it and it's going on. Like these things, I, I think I think I feel okay with it because I've just been rolling with it this whole time. Mm. You yeah. know, we have, we've all just been like going around our day with millions of spiders in our face. Yeah. And still, you know, succeeding and shining and everything. Why worry? It's it great. also, it comforts me to know that a 100% of people experience space face spiders so it's not like if you like go on a date with someone you're like oh can i kiss this person do they have space face spiders <laughs> i keep saying the wrong thing uh yes a hundred percent they have face spiders and you do too so you yeah know, there's yeah co-mingle them it's gonna mm-hmm. be great if they have space spiders though get out get <laughs> right out. that's not a safe date to go on no <laughs> Right, because my ex had space spiders, and it was the oh, worst. Yeah. Uh, Tell me about it. Not doing it. that again. Yeah. Well, this reminds me of a screenplay that I'm writing <laughs> right. called Face Spiders, uh, coming out in 2021. <laughs> and the sequel, Face Spiders It's a rom-com. It's yeah. not a horror yeah. movie. It's a romantic comedy, by the way. <laughs> well, also, and I think with the spiders, you mentioned that they, like, poop and die all the time. Yeah, yeah. Because apparently they live such short lives that they're bodies create fecal waste but they will die so soon that they don't actually have like a waste system 
uh, right. like a butthole or anything. Oh, uh, so they just die and it falls out of them. Yes, and, and that is again going on on your face, all of us. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But that is, that happens to people too, right? And you die and then you poop yourself. So well, I mean, oh, like that's that. what I've heard. Yeah, yeah those face headers, they are just like us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the Us Weekly pictures of space fighters getting their Peter Joe's or whatever. Um, yeah, they're just like us. It's, they don't poop until they die. Mm-hmm. It's so hard to not call them space no, spiders. Really that's is. just great. Spiders. Don't use the reverse of the inner space ray on the face spiders because that's terrifying. If you get a Dennis Quaid size face spider, oh right, in real life that's going to be. What if yeah. every like just visible s- spider that we see has millions of tiny humans living in its face? Oh, it's like an MC Escher of <laughs> spiders and humans. <laughs> and every one of those tiny humans has millions of, has a millions even, of tinier even tinier spiders. face spiders. <laughs> yeah. Turtles all the way down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another vicious cycle. Yeah. I mean, I think the turtles are along for the ride. Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're just bystanders with this one. Well, uh, there's, there's some more just fascinating things the human body does or contains, really. One of them is uh, this from Six Bizarre Superpowers You Didn't Know Your Body Has by Kelly Stone, and it is the, the human belly button. It turns out, and it's sort of like the face spider experiment where I feel like they were just finally randomly like, what if you point this at your face and look? Oh, let's see. Uh, there was a study where a team at NC State in 2012 said, what if we just like look in belly buttons? What do we find? Great idea. That's the whole experiment. They looked in 60 belly buttons and across just those 60 human belly buttons, they found 2,368 different bacteria species <gasps> across them. And of those they found, more than half of them, 1,458, were uh, as yet undocumented new species of what? bacteria. Send them home. <laughs> Build that wall. We don't need these undocumented bacteria. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't the opinions expressed here are not those of anybody's. anybody's. So does that mean they are bacteria species that apparently only live in human belly buttons and that's why they've only just been discovered or? Yeah, I think I think it's the kind of thing where it's hard to track bacteria species too. like in the in the write up in this article, they talk about some of them just totally new. There was also one case where they found a bacteria that had only previously been seen in Japanese soil and the person had never been to Japan and they didn't know anybody who'd gone and nothing. So I think that's just confusion, right? There's no way it, like, traveled. It just turns out the human belly button is full of mysteries. Great. (laughs) Really exciting. (laughs) It's already mysterious. Do you guys ever, if you touch, I mean, some people don't like ever even touching the bottom of their belly button. But, like, if you push into it. Do you feel like it's sort of like short circuits and you feel like this? Uh, <laughs> it feels like you're touching way deeper inside of your abdomen. You know, oh, if you, do you oh ever get that or not? Like there's probably some nerve that connects to. I, I, don't. I just, okay, more about Caitlin's freakish body. <laughs> the new segment on the podcast. I just had gallbladder surgery. Yes. Uh, and it was a laparoscopic surgery. And I didn't know this until like a few days before my surgery when I had to like Google and YouTube what even like this surgery entails, but I had my belly button cut open. That was like one of the incisions that they do for laparoscopic gallbladder surgery. And I have like a belly button thing. Like, you know, that scene in the matrix where like Neo has the bug and it goes through his belly button and they, they rip it back out through his belly. And like that, I can't watch that. It's disgusting. Uh, so the thought of having my belly button cut open made me like ball for about a half hour. Uh, 
uh, by myself in my bedroom at 1 a.m. But yeah, so the thought now that I know that there's also a whole plethora of bacterial colonies that are living in my belly button makes this far worse. <laughs> Oh, and it's yeah. probably a risky surgery because you have to extra really, extra really clean disinfect. that area up before yeah. they go in. Both of you get at something I share as well, which is I don't want big surprises about my belly button. Like somehow it's a very personal region uh, yeah. and I just yeah. don't want any of that. And Caitlin, like you said, uh, and also people can listen to Sludge, an American healthcare story. It's an excellent Thank podcast. Thank you. Uh, but as you said, they did not, they were like, you'll be coming for surgery and did not fill you in on any of the belly button anything. aspect no, at all. I, did, I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> If it weren't real, it would be a wacky doctor situation. It's not right. good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> nope, but I just didn't know. I had to find out through YouTube. That's, yeah. that's an interesting, yeah. Do you want to look up the surgery you're going to have before you have it on YouTube? I had back surgery two months ago. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I want to see this being done before I go into it. I just want to go in, not know anything, yeah. count down from 100 and wake up <laughs> hours later. Oh, and, yeah. You know. I have family members in like medicine, like doctors, nurses, oh, yeah. and occasionally I would just come home or, or go to where they are and they're just watching surgery videos. Cause it's oh, like really? either training or in a few <laughs> cases entertaining yeah. and it's, it's technical, like, you sure. know, it's for work, but how did you like watch a video of it happening or just like an instructional thing? Or? Yeah. So I watched a few different videos. One was like a CGI rendering of like how the surgery is performed. Yeah. yeah. So it wasn't like real bodies and like all the gruesome like blood and stuff. Cause I can't watch like actual bodies being cut open. The belly button is so personal, even though it's just right there and it's not like, it's just mm-hmm. a thing, but yeah. somehow there's all that to it. It's amazing. I mean, it's gotta have some residual connections to, because it delivered everything when you were a baby, so it's probably yeah. still enervated, and um, that's probably the tube by which the cells from the fetus get delivered into the, 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 the shine, mom. The chimera situation. Yeah. 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 I mean, this is pure speculation. But. <laughs> How else could it be? It seems like that's what would happen. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it all comes down to the belly button. The same Kelly Stone cracked article. She also picks out something that's just sort of sweet, I think, and it's that our bodies emit light. Uh, we are all, as humans, like a tiny, tiny bit bioluminescent, uh, which is something you associate with like cool jellyfish and uh, flat yeah, insects yeah. and stuff. But a team in 2009 at the Tohoku Institute of Technology in Japan did another experiment that just sounds like a let's try stuff experiment. <laughs> uh, they, they used ultra sensitive cameras to just look at people. And they saw that a little bit of bioluminescence that's a thousand times lower than our naked eyes sensitivity is coming off of us at all times. Wow, it's probably those so uh, glow. those little tiny face spiders giving off. Oh, maybe, maybe it's not even human. Maybe it's yeah, the, this could be them working again. together to signal, to send, <laughs> send for help. Some Morse code. Yeah, right. It's the light from their cities or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. This does sound like fake science. This sounds like some sort of new agey. Um, the secret. Right. Put that out in the universe and glow your light. Uh, turn on your heart. <laughs> It is upbeat to me because it sounds like I'm going to glow today, you know, like yeah. I'm going <laughs> to like a motivational positive <laughs> thing. I, I also feel like with these science stories, like when you hear something spooky, like your face is full of spiders, like, yeah, of course. And then when you hear something almost sort of positive, like we all glow, it's like, ah, cut it out. You're probably some <laughs> right. some like a hippie granola person, right? Yeah. Get out of here. Mm-hmm. But it's true. At the same time, all the good things. We let off light. It's beautiful. There also uh, are a lot of things here that are just more surprises about what's in human anatomy. Like if you made a list of all the human anatomy, what's there? What would you have? One thing is that they recently discovered just new parts in the human knee. 
which you would think we had explored the knee and, and it had no more mysteries. But there was a team of Belgian knee surgeons in 2013. They had done a lot of repairs on knees, especially ACLs. And they were frustrated because a lot of patients would still have like difficult outcomes out of that. Their knee wouldn't work that well. Mm. And they discovered a anterolateral ligament in the knee, which is an extra ligament that's uh, sort of in the middle And it had been first theorized by a French surgeon in 1879, but never found until recently. And their theory is that a lot of people where they had fixed the ACL or one of the things we know about, they still had a problem with this other ligament. And that explained the leg trouble. Hmm. 2013. uh, Still figuring stuff out. (laughs) Great. I think with with the prevalence of professional sports, he would have had to figure out everything about the knee a while back. But Yeah, yeah. One of the first uh, surgery photos or videos I'd ever seen was when I Googled too much about Tommy John surgeries, <laughs> which is a very common baseball <laughs> surgery. But if you go one Google too far, you see it being done. It's Ooh, not great. Yeah. <laughs> what does that one entail again? Uh, it's an arm issue. It's like you tear a ligament so they remove another ligament to replace it where it used to be. Oh, okay. And almost all pitchers are getting it these days. Because hmm. yeah. as far as other body parts, too, I think, Andy, you picked out the overall idea here that people have sort of different sets of muscles sometimes. There's a common thing where some people are just missing some muscles and don't have all of them, such as the palmaris longus muscle. Yeah, this surprised me. There's a 50% chance you're missing your palmaris longus muscle in one or both of your (laughs) arms. And it's not a muscle you need, but still, that's a pretty high percentage of people to just not have this thing. I believe it is, it's in your wrist. So if you... I've got mine. Yeah, you at home, you can can do what we're doing. We're like laying our wrist flat with our palm up. And then what you can do is the test is you just put your fingers together and you don't need to hold it super tight or anything. But if you have this muscle, it's like a long, thin one that just pops up on your wrist. I uh, I have it, turns out. I mean, there are a couple, right? So I'm not sure which of these. I, I kind of thought these were extensions of the muscles that go all the way to each of your fingers. But you do have it, correct? Yeah, I do, I do have it. Yeah. So you do have it. Yeah. Oh, we're I think we're three for three. How about that? All right. Uh, it's unlikely statistically if it's half of us yeah. shouldn't, but... But I, because I think we're all taught in general that uh, human bodies are pretty much the same except for sex and gender differences and yeah, parts. Yeah. And then it turns out half of people do and don't have this muscle, uh, which sure. I didn't know was an option. You know, it's crazy. And then half <laughs> of people used to have blue eyes and now look yeah. at us. <laughs> uh, and like you said, it doesn't seem to be super important because obviously if it was, half of us would be like, oh God, what do I do? Maybe that half of the population, are there, maybe they're worse guitar players or something. Oh, or you sure. just haven't done this study to see what the oh, effects, yeah. I don't know. We also, between 7 and 20% of people are missing the plantaris muscle, which runs along the back of your calf. That's a pretty high percentage. Oh, do we know muscle. what that one looks like? Let me bring up a picture. I mean, I'm very shredded, so I'm pretty sure I have all <laughs> the muscles I need. <laughs> you were one of the more swole. Uh, I, thank you guests. so much. <laughs> I mean, are we too strong to talk about this, the three of us? <laughs> yeah. I think that's the situation. Yeah, we need to get some uh, weak <laughs> right. nerds in weak here. Weak guests. Because <laughs> visibility for them is important as well. <laughs> yes, thank you. That's why. <laughs> Not because we were going to give them wedgies. Not because we were going to stuff them into a locker. (laughs) Well, also with like muscle anatomy, my sense of it is that there are sort of a billion things with obscure names. And so it's hard to keep track of. Because like you said, there's this plantaris muscle in the back of the calf. Apparently there's an 8% chance of people lacking the pyramidalis muscle, which is an abdominal muscle that also doesn't seem to be very important. And then there's also a situation where there's something called the sternalis muscle in the chest. And only 8% of people have it. 
So it's like surprising to doctors uh, when human beings have this muscle that's kind of rare. And there's one story of doctors screwing up and giving somebody exploratory surgery because they saw this just muscle that's rare. And they said, that's like a, a tumor or something, obviously. We're going on. And so that's bad. That's yeah. the whole thing. She's yeah. like, no, I'm, I'm just extra swole. I told right. you. <laughs> we discussed my swoleness. <laughs> when are we jacked Americans going to be cared for? Because <laughs> all this stuff, I feel like, A, it's hard to be a doctor. And also, B, if you were I a doctor. I haven't heard that. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> both sides, both sides. Yeah. Um, but A, it's hard to be a doctor, and B, if you're a doctor, it must help to have some, like, I want to call it humility about understanding the body, or just, like, recognition that it's very confusing, because, like, uh, for instance, Caitlin, in your podcast, you mm-hmm. dealt with doctors who lacked that very much. Very much uh, so. <laughs> and uh, it seems like that's really important to doing the job good. Yeah, but, you, yeah. yes, I agree. I mean, do you think people who have a God complex are drawn to medicine or being in medicine creates a God complex? Or am I forcing a thing on you you don't even believe? No, I do believe that. uh, Hashtag not all doctors. But uh, I have dealt with a fair number of physicians who just seem like the dumbest people I've ever met. (laughs) Yikes. Yikes. But again, not all doctors. If you're a doctor listening to this, you know, you're probably great. Were they they dumb with malice or just dumb with... uh, you know, like I guess there are different kinds of dumb that are right. They just seemed extremely negligent in their oh. like duties as a doctor and healthcare provider. Yeah, listen, listen to yeah, Sludge for tough. more yeah. details. <laughs> well, it's also like it's the most surprising thing a doctor can be, right? Like there's that comedy trope of a dumb doctor, like Doctor Spachemin on Thirty Rock, oh, or right. <laughs> favorite name, or uh, <laughs> Doctor Spaceman, Dr. Spaceman, like Space Spiders. Uh, but like it's that super basic comedy thing of take a thing, make it the extreme opposite. Like mm-hmm. our extreme opposite for a doctor is stupidity. Right. Uh, <laughs> because they're supposed to be the smartest of us. Yeah. Uh, and yet they're contending with this crazy body we're all in. What right. do you do? You know? I know. That, I mean, there's, we got face spiders. How can doctors do their job <laughs> right when they're full muscles. of spiders and extra ligaments in our knees? All kinds of stuff. <laughs> You're beaming light in their eyes directly right. from your skin. They can barely look at you. Because also uh, there's a, a general interesting thing we have here about how the human body is studied and how we find out things about it, which is that. Just you, the person seeing articles on the internet and stuff, should be aware that a lot of the times when there is a story about a new finding about humans, oh, they found this thing about how humans work, oftentimes it's actually a study of male mice, uh, (laughs) which is a different animal and just one gender. That will just be left out of the headline. So anytime you see a story about, like, it turns out uh, chocolate's terrible for people or chocolate's great for people, click through and make sure it's not they just tested some mice. (laughs) (laughs) So you mean maybe these face Spiders are only on male mice and not on oh. humans at all. I wish I could say so, uh, yeah. but no. <laughs> no, that was humans. We did check all of these. Yeah, uh, these are all people. What's <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, <laughs> uh, great. Well, that does not inspire confidence about anything. It's like more legwork for us. And there's also there's a Twitter account which is at just says in mice uh, that has about <laughs> seventy thousand followers as we tape because they just aggregate stories and retweet it with the comment like only in mice. Even though the headline explicitly says like people can all fly or some crazy, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's not a real one. But you get it. All mice. This Twitter account's great. I love just just says in mice. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. They're also the whoever runs it is very indignant about this, as they should be. They really they do not pull punches. And then also it's specifically usually mice who are male because uh, we've got stuff here about how medical testing is aimed at usually just male subjects, uh, whether human or mice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the mouse situation, there's a Guardian article that says that mouse studies only use males because the scientists were worried that female mice have too many different hormones and that it will throw off all the results. What do you do? But people like Northeastern University professor of psychology and neuroscience, Dr. Rebecca Shansky, says that no one's actually tested that hormone thing. They all just <laughs> think that. And so they, that That's just why they've been doing that. (laughs) That is the worst thing I've ever heard. This is the same case for when like medical research is actually done on humans. The studies are still often only performed on male human bodies. Um, There was a recent episode of Last Week Tonight where I caught this fun little stat. But according to that, uh, in 1990, the Journal of the National Cancer Institute published this report, which looked at the impact of diet on estrogen metabolism and its links to cancer of the breasts and uterus and all of the subjects were men in that study. So people, Cancer of the breast and the uterus, you say? Yes. All right. And <laughs> the effect of uh, diet on uh, estrogen metabolism, uh, which male bodies generally don't have that much estrogen. There's some, but yeah. not a lot. So yeah, really confusing as to why they wouldn't study female bodies, but uh, right. there you have it. It was the 90s. We were all so... <laughs> Freaked up. <laughs> <laughs> that sent me Googling and I was like, I have some vague memory of breast cancer also happening in men. And I guess less than 1% of cases are in men. It is like a really occasional rare thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. However, it's not the main one. And men tend not to have uteruses as far as I'm familiar with. Right. I skipped that anatomy class because, again, boring. But I am pretty sure <laughs> that's what's going uh, on. Usually only trans men will have uteruses. Uh, I'm guessing know. that's not who they're talking about studying. Probably no. <laughs> yeah. They are we're for sure excluding trans people from studies like this and still are. Medical science is still catching up, it turns out. And, you know, because wi- women, female female bodies have these pesky hormones. They're just getting in the way of science. <laughs> There's a historical precedent for this. When I re- when I heard you talking about this, it reminds me of if you if you looked at many of Michelangelo's statues, a lot of them uh, look like men with breasts. That's because they are like at mm. the time his models. They oh. couldn't get female models, so he would have male models and then just sort Drag of tack on breasts on the floor. Yeah, oh, I want to do a female nude. So yeah, they couldn't get female nudes, and the Renaissance artists just juxtapose the head and breasts of women on men's bodies. Wow. So like so like when he's sculpting a figure and it's supposed to be a statue of a lady. He's got a naked dude in front of him, and he's like, oh, just add some boob- boobies, as they called them in the Renaissance, I believe. Term wow. Why, why even get a guy? Just do it from memory yeah, or something. Just, Come on. Maybe, maybe he hadn't even, Don't bother. you know, there were stringent controls on female modesty back then, so maybe he hadn't seen a female. Oh, maybe. Just, like someone had described, you know how dudes have nipples, right? There's like, more to it. There's... Well, you know, as a woman, it's great to have been excluded from almost everything throughout all of history. Love it. We'll also, we'll link in the footnotes. We did an episode uh, with an author, Caroline Criado Perez, uh, uh, earlier in the year, but she did a book about, in general, how the world is sort of tilted toward uh, measuring and operating for men and men's bodies and not women. And one thing that pops up in it is that there was a study in 2001 that found that they were looking at 
testing up drugs and finding that when a drug has an adverse drug reaction, that's a sign that it's a bad drug or something. And they found that 80% of the time that happens, it happened to a lady. And they believe it's because most drugs are tested in the first place just on men. Oh, so sure. it's sort of being like field tested on women, <laughs> which is, you know, the kind of thing we could work on with the yeah. old human body there. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah. You'd think they'd want to, you know, test all types of bodies. Yeah. Or but at least no. take a crack at it, you know? <laughs> right. Like, there's a lot of types, but come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's just mouse. There is male mouse, and right. there is mouse. <laughs> and for everything, we just test it on Fievel, and that's all. We'll be good. Oh, good grief. Also, in terms of human body surprises, first, there's a few uh, studies that have all been recent where they sort of like the knee part thing. They just keep finding new organs. Which sounds crazy, but there have been a lot of different studies and publishings in the past few years claiming this part of the body is a whole different organ uh, and nobody noticed before. And we figured it out. They always get debated when they come out, but we'll we'll have footnotes of three different studies from the last three years. Uh, there's one in 2017 where they found that a fold of tissues that attaches the intestines to the wall of the abdomen should be a whole separate organ called the mesentery. Then in 2018, they found a sort of fluid-filled pocket layer beneath the skin that the scientists said should be called the interstitium and a whole new organ. And then in 2019, Swedish scientists found a mesh-like network of specialized nerve cells all under the skin of mice. This is a mice one, sorry. Oh, sure, sure. But uh, they said that uh, mesh-like network, as soon as they come up with a name for it, that's a whole new organ. So this is just going on all the time if you read the uh, journals like Science and, and Nature and so on. You'll just find out that there's new organs all the time, that, according to scientists. August, so we're talking a couple months ago. There's still, still no name? Are they open to suggestions? It's going to be like the Bodie McBoatface. Can we, <laughs> can we write in with new organ suggestions? <laughs> I hope it's not something like that. I hope it is Bodie McBoatface, yeah. uh, like <laughs> specifically. <laughs> Skinny m- McMesh network. Uh, yeah, yeah. Skin meaning of the, skinny meaning of the skin, not. Oh, uh, sure. Not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that last one, they uh, talked to the senior author of the study, Patrick M. Forge from the Karolinska Institute in Sweden, and he said, "Quote: We have not studied humans yet." However, considering that all previously known sensory organs found in mice also exist in humans, it is possible, if not likely, that it does exist also in the human skin. I hope uh, they just don't test it. They're like, well, <laughs> we did our mice test, so good enough. It, it seems like a lot of times that's what happens yeah. uh, with a lot of medical studies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is uh, fascinating, but also if they if they follow through and find a way to do it humanely, maybe we learn things. That'd be great. Sure. I guess there's that too. Yeah. Yeah. I'll donate my body to medical science when I'm dead. You know, not right now. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm still using it. Uh, look at Caitlin not caring about science enough over yeah. here. Jeez, I thought we were all on the same page uh, with this. Wait man. till I'm dead. Get out of here. Well, Come my, on. My body doesn't have a gallbladder anymore, so it's basically useless. <laughs> Did you get to look at it afterwards? No, I wanted to keep it, but I forgot to ask. Would they have let oh. you in a jar? I doubt it. I, it's probably like biohazard. and oh, okay. I did want to like make a necklace out of my gallstones, but... I also forgot to ask about that. I was too messed up on anesthesia. <laughs> yeah, I wonder which parts yeah. are allowed to keep. I had a mole cut off recently, which is why I have this uh, little band-aid there. And they showed it to me in the jar afterwards, but then they have to biopsy it if they cut it off. So oh, I don't sure. get to take it home and be the creepiest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
it does seem like the olden days, they were really on board for that stuff, right? There's that, was it the Mutter Museum in Philly, where it's just all sorts of different strange body parts people kept? Oh, in jars? Oh. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in jars. There's like the leg of Daniel Sickles, who was a, conf- uh, a Civil War general. Oh, An entire oh. leg. Yeah, yeah. Oh. But it's a museum. There's like a, the longest colon ever is one of their exhibits. It sounds God. like I'm just making stuff up to try to gross you guys out, but it's actually a place. Uh, How long is the longest colon? Uh, we'll footnote it. I don't remember. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's longer than you want it to be. I think sure. is the, the answer. Well, fun fact about gallbladders, the most number of gallstones that were removed from a person was... 23,530, a woman in England in 1987, she was 85 years old. She went in to the hospital with severe abdominal pain and they removed over 23,000 gallstones from her body. Wow. So that's some food for thought. When they came out, did it, did it sound like... (laughs) (laughs) Uh huh. Yes. Okay, just making sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. <laughs> the glee you had loading that up. It's, it's, oh, it's, it's I, like I was long, very excited. Let's, let's uh, tighten that up in the edit and make it a really great. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, the human body is a magical place. <laughs> Search in your own belly button and you'll find that answer for yourself. <laughs> Folks, that is the episode for this week. My thanks to Caitlin Durante and Andy Wood for sharing the joy of this strange scientific subfield that is also often very spooky. Uh, it's just it's just the way the human body is. There is a lot there, and it is remarkably more interesting than you would think it is, especially if you were me, that like young student, Alex, who assumed anatomy was kind of a dead end. No, it's a very, very live end. It's it's the, the widest end there is. Uh, now that's like a butt joke. Anyway, rolling through it. In our food notes, you will find the cracked articles and the scientific journals and the many other sources that we drew on to underpin this whole show of fascinating bodily things. Special thanks to cracked writers Mark Hill, Kelly Stone, Natsu Batarku, and E.M. Karras for a lot of the, the cracked articles that this stuff came from. And we would very much like to point you to the wonderful work that Caitlin and Andy are doing, especially in the podcasting space, because if you like this show, you'll probably like their shows too. Andy's show is called Probably Science, often co-hosted with Matt Kirshen, another friend of the show. Uh, and it's just a great and very fun way to find out the latest things that are probably going on in science. Also, Caitlin Durante co-hosts the Bechdel cast with another friend of the show, Jamie Loftus, uh, which is an excellent movie podcast examining uh, all kinds of things about movies, including whether women get to be people in them. And then her podcast that we uh, touched on often in this episode, it is called Sludge, an American Healthcare Story, because Caitlin, uh, along with uh, friends and people who were with her in her uh, very real life medical crisis, have made something uh, useful and worth hearing out of that. And also, while we're talking uh, uh, movie podcasts, referring to the Bechdel cast, there is also a movie podcast that Andy Wood does with comedian TJ Chambers as his co-host. It is called Twinsies, and it is about the phenomenon where two extremely similar movies come out at the same time. And so it's it's one of my favorite subgenres of thing. If you're like me and you're uh, the prestige versus the illusionist sort of person, uh, this is the show for you. It's going to be great. 
And so those are many tips and footnotes for you. Beyond all that, our theme music is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. This episode was engineered by Chelsea Jacobson and edited by Chris Souza. If you love this episode, that's great. Please leave us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen to shows because those algorithms let people know our show exists if you like it. That's kind of how it works. Seems pretty fair. Uh, So if you want to do a free thing that helps us, we would really, really appreciate it if you did that. And on the other side of the coin, if you hated this show, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media, a space that is kind of a piece of the healthcare system now with the the GoFundMes and the other fundraisers for people's uh, medical issues. I wish we could just pay for it with taxes, but I guess we do it this way. And, uh, you know, every little bit helps. It is something. Unrelated to that, my Twitter account is at Alex Schmitty. My Instagram is at Alex Schmitztagram. And I'm on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. That's got my show dates, my fun email newsletter of free internet stuff tips, and more. And I'm here to say we will be back next week with more Cracked Podcast. So how about that? Talk to you then. Talk to you then.